Domenico Giacobbe is a spacecraft mechanic working on the Artemis moon rocket, NASA's next manned spaceship to the lunar surface, as well as a U.S. military veteran, and more importantly, one of my best friends. I was incredibly grateful to have this introspective conversation with Dom, and I really appreciate his time to come sit down and have this discussion with me. This was an immensely engaging and interesting conversation to have with Dom as we discussed the ineffability of the universe, the purpose of life, mortality, the relationship between empathy and love, spirituality, the ways in which the ideologies we might hold now may be viewed as wrong from the perspective of future generations, political polarization, technological advancement, reconciling the belief in extraterrestrial life with religion, and more. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have, and links to everything we discussed and how to support this podcast are linked in the show notes. My name is Evan Liao. I've been traveling continuously for the past two years, and this is simply my humble attempt at capturing the genuine conversations I have along the way. Discovering the essence of what it means to pursue a life well-lived through the contemplation of love, death, meaning, and existence. Well, you already said you were into philosophy and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, what made me want to do this was like, um, I, well, I was, I, I got into philosophy, but I think really at the core of everything that I'm doing here, it's about, uh, I guess just, I, I, I should, I guess really re- originally at the start of everything, I, I started to have a lot of conversations that really shaped me yeah. and became like who I was. Or it started, it started to shape me into who I was really as like a person. And um, and I wanted to kind of bring that out in other, like, I guess uh, start sharing that with other people because it, the conversations that I have had been so transformative for me. Yeah. And, um, and then when I started to think about like my own career goals and like what I want to do, I always find myself being drawn back to like the more... Um, I guess like the, the more existential or like deeper parts to, to life and to, and, and to um, just having conversations. So a podcast was naturally like the one thing that I thought of as something that I would really like to do. And, and I kept putting it off for such a long time that eventually I couldn't really put anything. I couldn't really put anything higher than this on my list because I've worked at different, you know, restaurants and grocery stores or hostels or whatever, you know, even working for like Northrop or and then the Marine Corps, like I just knew all of those things I couldn't do and I don't like working for somebody else. And so being like, I don't know how long this would take, you know, for me to like really make any money off of this, but it's what I want to do. And it's something I'm passionate about. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of, it transcends that like, Oh, how much money am I going to make off a thing when you're, you're doing something to kind of like not only better yourself, but it almost works kind of like a, Almost like how somebody keeps a journal and stuff like that. You know, you can go back, listen to the different conversations you've had with people. Yeah. Listen to the different things you've learned. They've learned from you. You've learned from them them and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it basically is like, you know, documenting your growth along, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely that. It's definitely more than just like a side hobby thing. It's like what I want to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll see where it's still in its nascent stages, just beginning, you know? Yeah. So we'll see where it goes, but 
I'm just going to continue doing it and see what happens. <laughs> That's I mean, kind of how I live my life anyways. So. I mean, absolutely, dude. I mean, it's like you, you know, you have so much experience now from different like facets of life. You know, like I said, you've literally done like everything from, you know, being in the Marine Corps to then getting out, you know, working for Northrop for a little bit and then traveling the world and meeting all these different people and, and experiencing all the different ways people live life and their, you know, different thought processes and stuff like that. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a Quite a journey for sure, definitely. Um, so, yeah. But I guess with that, we've been recording. So, um, Dom, Domenico Giacobbe. Yes, sir. Thanks for <laughs> making your way out to do this podcast. No problem, man. You came all the way out to California to do a podcast with me. That's actually, that's it. <laughs> Only thing was it. I was like, I need yeah. to go there right now and uh, just continue to knock on your door until you open yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. So... Dom, we met in the Marine Corps. Yep. And we've been best of friends ever since. He's <laughs> been a while. So now. one of my best friends in the world that I can think of is you, Dom. Appreciate it, man. Really, truly. It's uh I'm glad to have you on. Um what do you what do you do? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, that's a good question. Okay, so what I do now currently is um, I work uh, as a quality inspector for Boeing on uh, NASA's SLS project, so the Artemis uh, moon rocket, um, <clears throat> which is really cool because the last time we went to the moon was, uh, I think, I believe 1972, early 70s was the last time we went to the moon. So um, it's pretty much the next jump to get us to the moon and then, you know, continue with humanity exploring onto Mars with uh, kind of a working conjunction with the stuff that SpaceX is doing and whatnot too. Uh, it's all kind of uh, towards a similar goal. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's really cool, dude. That's, I think, you know, we were having a conversation yesterday about this and it's, it's pretty incredible. Like the, some of the stuff you get to work on and the betterment of humanity and yes, how far absolutely. something like this can actually really take, um, take humanity. And it's really cool that you're a part of that for sure. Um, what, uh, what is it exactly that drew you to, to, uh, working on rockets? Um, you know, <clears throat> I kind of, I was, I always was interested in space and kind of like the, the like whole concept of like what's beyond and like, you know, things that are hard to wrap your, your mind around without, you know, going in and, ex and going and exploring it. And, um, I, I've always been interested in kind of the, uh, concept of of like the human something bringing like the human race together as as a whole you know obviously there's there's a lot of conflict within humanity and stuff like that but kind of universally when you look at like stuff like space travel going to the moon going to mars like expanding human civilization you know into the stars um it kind of seems like a a unifying factor you know you can find people from all over the world that you know don't uh don't speak the same language and stuff like that may have different cultures, but they all look up at the stars and see, you know, what they wonder what's out there kind of, uh, deal like that. So, um, being able to be part of that and like part of a, a legacy that, um, will live on far after me and stuff like that, you know, was kind of what drew, what drew me to it. Um, yeah, just, just being able to be part of something that like, Hey, this is for the betterment of like humankind in general and, you know, the next steps. Definitely. That's so cool, dude. So cool. That's, that's probably what I always talk. I, I always talk about 
uh, Utah, my other friends, I always brag about you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I got a friend who works on, he works on rockets that are getting sent to the moon. Like, it's so cool. It's such a interesting job. And I think like you said, it's, it's more than just, you know, like fighting wars and like yeah. trying to kill people through, you know, government technologies. This is something that's furthering humanity as a species, as a, um, as a like, collective, like being uh, yeah. of, people on earth and we're, we're moving towards something, um, expanding off of earth and like, who knows where that actually goes. But I think it's the natural step and like the evolutionary process of, of humanity is to kind of leave and like, see what else is out there. Um, absolutely. But why do you think, why do you think that humans have this desire to leave or to, to see further outside of our own kind of earth bubble? You know, that's, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I think at their base level, human like human nature is to, is to you know explore, like conquer, explore, find find new things. Um, basically, I mean, if you look at like the beginning of of humanity in itself and how how humans just spread out throughout the world. I mean, if you look even just back in history from like, um, I mean, if you look at just from like the you know something super small like the United States like the expansion westward and stuff like that, like the whole manifest destiny and all the things like that. Um, but you can find, I mean, you can change the words around, you can change the, the countries around, but I guarantee you, you could find something in every single country and culture that, um, that focuses on like expanding and, and, and finding new places and stuff like that. And, um, I, I don't know maybe exactly what the, what it boils down to, but, um, if I had to put a guess, it's just like the, the human need to grow if that makes sense like um to grow to explore to find to evolve and stuff like that um i i also think it's like the the unknown you know um finding out what's out there you know i guess you could like really get really deep into it and be like oh well what's the meaning of why everyone's here and people look at you know look up at the sky at the stars and be like well you know we don't know about what's out there so is the answer out there where did we come from kind of thing like that um you know so i i think it's kind of i think it's kind of based in that in that kind of stuff yeah i think that's exactly where my mind goes though it my mind goes to the like the the questions like you said like we look up, look at the stars, look at the universe, and uh, and you put us in relation to how big everything is. And for me, I wonder like, what are we doing here? And and this came really in a uh, this came to me really in a few ways because I didn't normally live my life like that. I, I and you can I would love to hear your perspective on how kind of you grew up thinking. Um, but for me, I, I kind of lived life monotonously and just kind of went along with whatever happened to it. And I never, I never really thought about the bigger picture, what, what existence is at all and what life means to even be aware of anything that is, that that could be, or that is awareness of whatever that meant. And so for me, yeah, there, there were a few, uh, profound, I guess, experiences that I had um, that really shaped my way of thinking and really put life in a different perspective for me. Um, and, you know, the, that's, that's, why, that's why I've kind of oriented my life, really, um, to discovering what 
the essence of this really means, like what this is. Um, because to me, it, it doesn't make, it, it's the most interesting question to ask for me personally. Um, like what, what does it mean to exist? What is this? Is there, yeah, are we, you know, alone? Is there a God? If so, what, what, what do they look like? Like, you know, like yeah, what are, what are these things? Um, what does it mean? And so I would like to hear your perspective on like how you grew up thinking and kind of the way, um, some of the experiences you've had, um, has, has shaped your way of, um, kind of contemplating this? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so as far as like how I, how I grew up thinking, um, you know, honestly, that's, that's a good question. I don't think anyone has ever asked me like where, you know, where it all, I guess, started from. Um, if I really had to think about it, I'd probably say that, you know, I, I always grew up thinking that, uh, you know, there's no way just learning uh, the second I learned about like how vast like outer space was and, and you know, it's, it's continuously expanding and like really how small we are compared to everything around us. Um, I always kind of had the mindset of like, you know, there's no, like, it seems more crazy to me to believe that there's, you know, nothing out there, nothing else out there than that there would be, you know, uh, that there's nothing out there than to be that, you know, it would just be that there is something out there. I know the way I said that kind of sounded weird, but what I'm saying essentially is, is like, if you just factor in like, you know, the, the probability that there is some kind of other, other life form out there, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Um, it seems much more likely to me that there, there always would be, you know, I always thought like, wow, there's all this, there's all this out there. How, how is everything only right here on earth, you know? And, um, kind of as I got older and I, you know, like learned more things and kind of like shaped things with like, with religion and stuff like that. And, and, and just life. Um, I kind of was thinking like, Hey, what, you know, what, like, like we were talking earlier, why, why are we here? You know, um, you know, nobody, nobody had necessarily those answers for me. So I kind of started looking out like, looking on my, on my own kind of thing, looking inside, what have I learned throughout my life and kind of thought like, Hey, um, you know, it, are we, are we here for a purpose? Is that purpose to, you know, reach out as far as we can? Is it, is that purpose for us to, to reach out to whatever is up in the stars that, you know, where to find out where we came from, you know, kind of thing like that. Um, I guess it was kind of a mix between like, like a spiritual thinking and like, a. I don't know. I I I don't know what the what to call it. Um, I think more so than when I was young. More so now than when I was younger is when I really started to think about it, and I really started to get involved with like programs, programs like this um, that I'm working on now, and it really put me put in perspective for me. Um, you know the the questions that are being asked that you're asking me right now. You know. Yeah, I, I guess it's. I feel like I said a whole lot of nothing, you know. No, you definitely said some stuff. I don't. I don't know. I guess I. I don't know how to, how to how to describe it. You know, a lot of people have clashes with like their like religion and their their ideologies and stuff like that. But I. I don't know. I found a way to kind of be like, um, to to kind of put it all together, being like, hey, just because I'm, you know, just because I believe in this, doesn't mean that I can't also be like, hey, 
there's more out there than what we're what we're given you know i kind of put it all in like a in an all-encompassing thing if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense and i think a point i want to bring up um is you did say a lot of you did you did say a lot of interesting things there um uh, but a point i want to bring to light uh within that is everyone's struggling with how to describe yeah. it you know like you're not the one person that's like i don't know what's happening here yeah. <laughs> like that, that that is that is like at the core of everybody's um existence is like trying to figure out what the point of this is and you know for some people it's um a specific religion and for yeah. some people you know they call it spirituality and for other people they you know it's it's agnosticism or atheism or whatever you know nothing matters or nothing has inherent meaning you know and and there's so many ways to different or to interpret there's so many ways to interpret um existence as it is um and i think that's what's so interesting about it you know so um like having a ha- having difficulties describing what it is 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 the natural way of figuring it out just cuz we're so I mean, I don't know if it's a question of our limitations as humans and as like, as a minds within, um, a human, a human body, you know, but it's definitely, it's definitely something that is incomprehensible to you or I, um, it's something that's like, it's something that is larger than what we can comprehend cognitively. Um, and, and, but, but at the same time, it's all we can go off of is our own mind. It's our own consciousness. So, um, yeah, it, it becomes something that is indescribable. So there's no need to kind of, um, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people, uh, they're like, oh, I can't describe it, but like, that's, that is that the point is, that of is it. describing it almost. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I think, I think too, uh, something I was just thinking about too is obviously it's different for everybody. Like we were just saying, but I think also like the, the existence of of a higher purpose or something out there, whatever that is for you, gives people kind of also like a, you know, a set of guidelines to live by. Something, to, something either to look forward to or something, you know, kind of like a, um, you know, like a, like a purpose, almost like, hey, like this, there is something else out. There's something, what whatever that is for you, there is something out there, and there's something I need to, you know actively search for and reach for whether that's like you you looking you know into yourself to build yourself as a better person or if you're like hey um i want to be you know i want to be part of asking those questions and what doing the things of like hey what is out there you know what i'm saying i think it just gives people something to something to 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 base their their selves off of you know and i think that helps you know it may help some people more than others but um it's definitely helped me to kind of be like hey like i have a base like a moral guideline moral compass off of you know what i'm saying like um and being like hey this is something i'm i'm trying to find out not just for myself but i want to be part of finding it out for you know the rest of humanity too so totally yeah and, and that's something i think about a lot is morality and how what what, what the foundations of morality are um uh, but that 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 gets into so many um intricate and uh, interesting conversations there alone. Morality is such a massive topic, um, Mm -hmm. for, for so many people, because there are so many ways to object to certain people's ideas of what, 
may or may not feel intuitively right or wrong. I was going to say, there's a lot um, of gray areas in it depending on Yeah, exactly. And so like the way I th- try to think about morality is less in the way of, of right and wrong, but more of like our collective uh, well-being. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, there, there, there are so many ways in which... Eh, we can come within. We can come to some tricky intuitions that uh, might not uh, conform to, I guess, uh, our inherent um, ethical and moral uh, intuitions. So Absolutely. it's it's it is difficult, um, especially be, especially when so many people have differing uh, differing base baselines for what morality may or may not mean. I mean, if you think about it, something as basic as like. Oh, like somebody steals something, right? Like, you know, they're, let's say they're stealing food or something like that. You know, if you're asking that person that's stealing food to feel, feed their family that's starving, you know, morally that's going to come out to a different answer than the store owner who they stole it from, right? So it's, I mean, I think that's a perfect way to look at it. It's like just, it's very, obviously there are certain things that are, I think we could probably all generally agree on that are like morally bad and good, but there's a lot of in between stuff in there that it's like, you know, you're, like you said, it, it, it's very situation dependent and um, there's a lot of gray areas. I don't think it's quite as like black and white as everyone said, you know, as like the storybooks tell when you're a kid, like, oh, this is a good person or a good deed and this is a bad person and a bad deed. I don't think that exists anywhere near as much as, you know, people try and say it does. Yeah, totally. And I think when you start exploring different religions and different ways of thinking and different um, ideas that have been um, spread a- across the globe uh pertaining to uh i guess this the 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 overarching like spiritual yeah. concept of life it's you can start to see so many differences but at the same time you can see a lot of similarities as well so um it makes it incredibly interesting to try to like parse through all of them and and or, or as many as you can you know and and see what what is there and what's to be gleaned from each piece of um uh, I guess wisdom that has been uh, like handed down over over the human species. Um, it's it's incredibly interesting. Do you describe yourself as somebody that is a spiritual person, or do you subscribe to any specific religion? Yeah, um, actually. <clears throat> so what's funny is I I grew up, uh, you know, um, like Roman Catholic. My family's Italian, so it was Rome, Roman. Roman Catholic was the the default religion uh, for me. And as I got older, I kind of like questioned a lot of things. And I I really wasn't sure, um, I guess at the time, like what where where I was going, what I thought was real and what I thought wasn't. Um, And it wasn't until later in life, because now now I consider myself a fairly like spiritual person. I I identify as Christian and stuff like that. And um, I follow the Christian religion. But um, I didn't really find like Christianity and start getting religious until I had some like n- like near death experiences kind of and like started to see things as a whole. And obviously, like I said it's different for everybody, but I kind of I kind of saw myself being like, hey, what like I had no moral compass. I had no I was like, what is the reason why I'm I'm doing things or acting how I'm acting and stuff like that. And um, for me, it was it was like a higher, a higher purpose that I needed to, to guide myself. If that made sense. Um, I, I found myself in like, uh, you know, uh, I think the first time too, that I really like, 
I really the first time I had seen somebody. So that actually that crash at at WTI, um, the first time I had seen two people lose their lives, and then I had earlier in my career in the Marine Corps had gotten almost in that uh, in the helicopter crash, uh, kind of put in perspective for me, like hey, like um, you know what, how how I guess how how easy life can be lost and how fragile it is. And I kind of lost that whole invincible, like, you know, you're young and you think you're an invincible, uh, individual, nothing can happen to you. And, and seeing that happen kind of put me on, started me on like a more spiritual, uh, like route, you know? And, um, it kind of just grew from there, you know, just from being, just from being after I got out of the Marine Corps and stuff like that, um, kind of being a loss a little bit and not knowing what I wanted to do and stuff like that. Um, I had found Christianity again and I kind of, um, started relying on, on, on that and, um, building, you know, myself back up and building a, you know, a moral compass of just like how, the kind of person I wanted to be and how I wanted to be an act and, uh, and how I wanted to, um, you know, grow myself. And, uh, that was, that's all pretty recent, you know, within the last couple of years, I really didn't, I really didn't, uh, didn't have any of that until a little bit before I got out of the Marine Corps and I started looking at life a little bit differently. Totally. So, yeah, no, and and just to briefly describe what happened to you, um, for the for people who don't know who are listening to this, yeah. what ha- what happened when? And so, I guess what was the um, what happened with the crash? Just briefly describe yep. it. So, um, <clears throat> WTI for the people who are listening that don't know is a um, weapons and tactics instructor course. So it's basically a really large um, exercise that the military goes out and goes out and does, and um, there's a lot of working components going on it. Um, me and Evan were, were crew chiefs, so uh, we were door gunners in the back of uh, of a Huey. Um, and so one night we went. It was our first flight, actually, of the training exercise. It was um, it was pretty late at night. I don't remember exactly what time, but maybe ten, eleven o'clock at night, something like that. Um, and we went out to a range. Uh, we were shooting a, a, on that range. Um, and then I remember, well, from my perspective, I remember perspective. I remember. I was looking out the opposite side of the helicopter that the crash occurred on. Um, I was wearing, I was wearing night vision goggles. So all of a sudden I seen like a huge, huge bright light, um, reflecting off of the mountains behind us. And I turned around and I look, it looked like somebody dropped napalm in those old like Vietnam movies and nobody, everyone was kind of silent. Nobody knew what was going on. Uh, our pilots came over the radio. They asked if there was some jets that dropped bombs in that area. Um, there wasn't, um, then we had thought maybe the refueling point we had there had, had blown up. It wasn't that. And then I had heard our, um, uh, one of our captains come over the radio in the Cobra saying that there was an aircraft that had went down. And, um, at that time, every single person in every single aircraft, I can't remember how many aircraft there were, there was, I think like maybe four, four to six aircraft that were in that evolution without occurring, I'd known every, everyone personally and all those aircraft, except, except for the one aircraft that, um, that actually crashed, which I didn't know at the time. But so at the time my mind was racing like, Oh, like which one of my friends just, you know, just died basically because, um, like I said, they every single one of them were, were in all of the other aircraft except for that one. Um, and unfortunately we had gotten to the, uh, crash site. It was too dark to see, on um off unaided off night vision goggles um all you could see is the fire and then when you put them on the fire was too strong too bright to see to see into it um 
and we weren't we no one was able to land because they still had active ordnance on the on the aircraft and essentially we had to leave and they had to call on a search and rescue team to um to to come there now knowing what i know now there was nobody that survived they had impacted the ground they basically got target fixated and they'd impacted the ground um at you know over 100 miles an hour very quickly so they they um they didn't survive that but um afterwards uh you know going to they had a wake afterwards the two pilots um that passed away i uh they were from a different uh they're from a different squadron so i didn't know them personally just in passing at wti i had seen them uh, but i did go to their wake and saw uh they had um their you know their families there um one of them had like a really young a really young kid and stuff like that um and it put in perspective for me like hey like this is very real you know beforehand i had thought that I was like, there's no way there's nothing that can happen to me. It's not, you know, whatever. It can't happen. You know, I thought I was bulletproof, whatever. Um, and then after seeing that, it really, it, I don't want to say it put a value on life. Cause I always knew life obviously had a value, but it, it made it tangible. If that made sense. It made, it made me realize, Hey, like regardless of what it is, like you can, you can lose your life and that's it. Like it could be today, tomorrow, whenever. And, and everything you've done up until that point, everything you've done up until that point, like that's it. That's all you got. You don't have anything, you, you know, you can't affect the world. You can't change, you know, what you've done or what you're going to do after that. That's it. So, um, after that had happened, I think that's what kind of like eventually started pushing me towards being like, Hey, I, I just, you know, wanted to change, not necessarily change. Cause it wasn't like I was doing anything bad or anything like that, but like, I just was like, Hey, I, I want some kind of moral compass and guideline of like how I want to better myself. And, and the people around me in, 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 in my life. Cause I, I guess I, from that moment forward, I took, um, I valued life a, a, a lot more, you know, after I seen it be taken away so quickly at that point. So totally. Yeah. And, and that, that really speaks to, I mean, there's so many points to respond to in that, but I, I think, um, that really speaks to the, the way the Marine Corps can really just take, or the military in general can, can take in these like young naive people and bring them into a situation where you don't actually know or gain and or have any really under have any real understanding of what uh, you're actually doing and it's not it's not just um, it's not the Call of Duty video game you see online it's not the the movies you see on Netflix or uh, you know watching absolutely watching um, the Pacific or brand of brothers, you know, it's, it's something real. You're training um, to kill other people. You're training to harm other people um, for no real reason other than government um, bureaucracy and um, supporting politicians who, who um, don't have your interest in mind. And, and it's scary that it's um, the way it is like this. And I know we've had conversation like uh, we've had conversations in the past about this. Um, but um, for me, that's, it's, it's something that I've come to such big re- revelations about uh, exiting the Marine Corps. Uh, and, and it's really shaped my perspective on, like you said, like what, what, what are we actually doing here? You know, what, what was the point of, doing this what's the point of um what was the point of my service um and so you know that i wrestled with a lot um and you know another point 
being your your this this closeness to death that um, that you were you experienced, and this wasn't the only uh, this wasn't the only time your death has been yeah. <laughs> uh, close to you, but it 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 is um, it is something that I know you've you've had to uh, come across, and and myself as well. But uh, what is your relation to what is your relationship to to death as as something that is um, inherently unknowable? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> hmm. Well, I'd say, so the first time I had gotten close was, um, as you and me were talking yesterday uh, with our friend Alex, uh, me and him were in the back of a, um, a helicopter and there was some uh, stuff that went wrong, long story short, and we ended up being okay, but it was very close to being a not okay situation where we almost fell out of the sky and we just barely made it down uh, to an emergency landing um, safe. But um, that was the first time I guess I had gotten, that's like the first time at all I have been in any kind of situation where I was like, wow, I almost, you know, I, I, I almost died. So um, I would say that as far as the relationship wise, it basically put me in a spot where I was like, okay, this exists. Like obviously again, I'm saying I knew death existed before then, but like I said, until you're, until it's right in front of you or you're faced with it, it's kind of one of those things of like, yeah, you know, it's there, but you're just like, oh, it's, you know, that's something that's going to happen to me when I'm 90 years old, you know, so far down the road. Um, it just basically made me realize that it's always there and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a natural part of life that it's always there, but it basically drove me to want to be a, not just a better person, but accomplish more, you know, if that makes sense. It being, I would say it's a, I don't know what the exact word I would use to, to describe the relationship I, I have with it, but it would be one of like, Hey, I know you're there and that, that motivates me to make sure I'm not wasting my life. If that makes sense. Um, and that's obviously different for everybody that, you know, what that means, you know, whether what quote unquote wasting your life would be, but yeah, that's what I'd probably say. Yeah. I, it seems like it was a motivating factor for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was definitely like a, hey, this is here. Um, this can happen to you. Who do you want to be remembered as and what do you want to be while you're here? Because you may not get to choose when you're done, you know? Yeah, you, exactly. No, I um, I, I find myself thinking the exact same way. Um, and for me, it really came... Um, when I started to have realizations about what life was, uh, what existence was. And so it's, it it is, it is such this, such an elusive uh, part of life because it's always there yet. It's not there at all. And so it's, it, it, it has become my relationship for death has really become something, um, as, as you kind of have where it's this, it's this motivation to really pursue life for what it has to offer um, because there is no guarantee that this next moment will exist at all. And, and I think when you live like that um, to a degree, it can really uh, uh, sort things out in, in one's head um, as to 
what we're pursuing, you know, what, what, what is, what makes life worth pursuing at all. And, um, you know, everything is within everything and everything I think should be taken within, uh, moderation. You know, I think for myself, um, I think about death more than I, I, maybe other people, uh, or maybe more than I should. Um, but for me, it's, it, it is, it is good to think about because if I don't, I, I think I, I would get trapped in the, in the thought that, uh, I will live forever and that this won't end until I'm 80 or, or when, you know, I, I have some sort of control over it, even though we don't know, you know, we can get outside and start our car and drive off in the freeway you know, on our way back from work and, and, and get hit by a tr- truck and you have no idea. Exactly. And, and, and that's it. That's the end. Like you yep. said, like that's, that's just the end of your story. That's just the end of who you were yep. um, as like at least a human conscious being. And we don't know what happens after that. Um, and there's, you know, you have ideas and you have faith. Some people have faith and some people don't, uh, but uh, we don't, we don't know. We know there's no, there's no 100% certainty with it. Um, and so, you know, that, I think that leads me into the question I want to ask you of like, what, what exactly makes this life worth pursuing for you? So I would say, I just want to say one thing too about uh, what we were just talking about and then I'll go into that. Yeah, I was definitely. going to say, I think the important thing too is to learn and it is, it's something, it's hard, you know, but I think the important thing is to learn to not be afraid of it. You know, don't let, obviously you don't want to let fear control you and you don't want to let the fear of, of dying control you. Like you said, you, there's moderation, right? You got to know it's there and it exists and, and, you know, work with it, if that makes sense. But um, as far as the the question you just asked me, <sighs> for me personally, what makes life worth pursuing is I'd say building a building like a better life for for my family, myself and my family and the people around me. Essentially, if I if I can leave the people I've touched in my life and the the things I've done, uh, you know, the world in general, a better place than when I, you know, when I came into it, I, I think that would be, you know, that's what, that, that would be what it would be for me, you know, uh, whether that's, you know, taking care of, um, doing what I'm doing now, the program I'm doing now, you know, helping, you know, humanity take the next steps, um, or, you know, just building a good family, you know, eventually down the road, possibly raising some kids and stuff like that. And, and, um, you know, giving them the tools to be successful in life and in kind of like a, a ripple effect, you know, um, where they're going to use what I teach them to, you know, better themselves and in the world around them. Um, I would just say that just being happy and, um, and just like I said, making everything you touch and interact with, try and leaving it better than, you know, it was when you found it. That makes sense. Yeah, no, uh, makes total sense. I think that's a great answer. Um, I think that's a, you know, it, it's something admirable to to take into account the lives of others and not just yourself. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, at the core of humanity. We're such social creatures and dependent on one another to such a high degree where if we aren't pursuing um, betterment for each other, then we're really not bettering anything. Yeah. Um, so 
And that's such a huge, uh, such a huge point. Um, and I think we can often forget about that. Uh, I think it's easy to forget and get so consumed by our own individuality and our own, and our own minds and our own lives, because um, we can only view existence through our own singular consciousness uh, as we experience it. And so we forget that everyone else is uh, having the same uh, experience that we are, you know, and it's, it's something, uh, it's something that I think if, if, you know, something that I try to think more and more about um, and to not let uh, other people's lives uh, just pass me by, like, like it's not something uh, immensely important because it is, because everything we do is, is um, really predicated on something that came before. And so um, all the experiences we have are based around the experiences of other people. Uh, And so making, you know, this world or whatever this, this universe is into some sort of better state of well being is, is I think at the forefront of everything. Um, And I, and I find, uh, I think this is a conversation that I've been having with um, my partner, but about kind of the U S is, uh, individuality and how I think the U S really takes some, uh, I guess our individual, um, uh, freedoms and, and mindsets a, a little too far without thinking collectively as, as much as we should be. Um, because you know, it, it, it is, it becomes, it becomes dangerous to, to think so, um, to think so, I solipsistically, I think, or individually that we've, we really kind of uh, neglect some of the, the real harsh uh, realities of, of the lives of other people. Um, But I I think it also comes with our, our sense of empathy. Um, Like how do we become more empathetic? You know, it's like, it's, it's one thing to say like, Oh, we should care about other people, but, but how do we do that? You know, like how do we go about being more empathetic? Um, what, what would you think, what would you say is probably, um, or I guess, what, what would you say is, is the kind of the right steps to, to take, to be, become a more empathetic, a more caring, loving person? So I would say that honestly, and this is going to be sound super simple because I, I think it is, and it's just, it's just actually talking to people. Like the biggest thing, it's funny because the internet and everything, um, you know, everyone always talks about how it brings the whole world closer. Um, And while it does do that, I think like putting a screen between you and another person also like dehumanizes them, if that makes sense. You know, you see people arguing on the internet, like saying like the most horrible, like the internet literally brings out some of the worst in people. You know, I mean, you could go to any like Facebook comment thread, you'll see people saying like the worst things that they probably would never say to each other in person. Um, And it it kind of go all breaks down once you talk to somebody and you speak with them and you're like, Hey, this is like, not only is this like an actual person, another human being, you know, that has their own life going on, you know? Um, but, uh, you have probably a lot more in common with them than you don't, you know? And a lot of times, um, that separation of just interacting with people from around the world all the time, you know, through a screen, um, kind of, kind of, puts that, you know, it, it kind of makes, um, you forget that 
that, hey, this is another per like it kind of, it highlights the divides, you know, it, it, it highlights the division instead of the, hey, this is another person with family feelings, whatever, you know, they got their own stuff going on. Um, so honestly, I'd say the number one thing to be more empathetic is just to actually get out and talk to people, have conversations with them, especially like don't put yourself in an echo chamber kind of deal. Like don't just have conversations with somebody. You're like, oh, this person has all the exact same views as mine. Like, no, it's okay to have conversations with people that that, you know, have differing views they, that you may disagree with um, because it, it it shows you the human side of their nature. You know, it's like, hey, this person isn't a bad person or, or, or something just because they don't believe in what I may believe in. You know, it um, just shows you, hey, they have different experiences and, and they've had different uh, life events that have drawn them to these conclusions. And, um, you know, it really, it, it humanizes that person and it'll 100% give you more empathy by just, you know, going out and having conversations with people, you know, touching grass basically. Yeah, no, that I, it's, that's such a powerful point. It's conversation for me, like we were talking about earlier has been so transformative. And so, um, it, 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 it puts, it puts people into, and it puts people and experiences and views into context, which I think is extremely important and something that is neglected on in so much online conversation and so much, um, of social media and, 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 and cancel culture and whatever, you know, kind of, um, harmful, uh, societal kind of, uh, ways of thinking. And so it, it, for me, like that's, that's, that's where I, what I really took to heart and, and why, um, yeah, I, I find, um, conversations so profound as for that exact reason, you have no idea uh, exactly what a person is is dealing with, what they're thinking, what they're what they're what they might be experiencing, what they have experienced in the past, um, until you go out and talk to them. And even then, you're not going to get the full experience. You're only going to get one single slice and one single moment of of somebody's life. Um, and you know, you're never going to know what it's like to be in their head. And so you you know, in a, giving people the benefit of the doubt, giving people this, um, you know the uh, the context that so much uh, people the giving people the context that they deserve is so immensely important because without it we're just you know we're stuck in our own way of thinking through our lens and judging somebody else uh, without any proper um, without any real justification absolutely um, yeah I mean and um, yeah, like there's uh, I mean there's so much to uh, extrapolate even just from that. Um. That's the thing. That's what like, I, I think like social media and all these things, they can be an awesome, awesome way to connect. If kind of going back into what we were talking about earlier, about just like moderation, stuff like that, like they can be an awesome thing, but if you, you use it the wrong way or let it affect you the wrong way, they can be like horribly detrimental. So, and it's hard to, it's hard to make that balance. But like I said, it gets easier. The more people kind of just interact with their, you know, you know, humans for thousands and thousands of years, however long have, you know, interacted in person. Right. And what the last, I mean, 50 years or so is when, you know, all of social media and everything has become so prevalent and has separated, you know, like I said, brought people together, but also like highlighted their, their divisiveness, you know, too. So, um, like you said, humans are like social, are social creatures. They need to interact with each other. And, um, 
sometimes I feel like the interacting through like, you know, interacting through the internet may kind of like scratch that like social quote unquote like itch, but it's not really giving you what you need. You're not actually getting anything of substance. Not always, but mostly a lot of it is you're not actually getting that actual like substance of being face to face with somebody. And like, you know, um, I mean, there's, there's so much you miss just like in context wise, like people don't realize too, that humans communicate a lot through like nonverbal, like body language and stuff like that, that you don't even know when you're having a conversation with somebody, like you're processing, um, you know, their expressions, their body language, what they're doing. You lose all of that when you're talking to somebody through a screen. So, Oh, dude, I use emojis, bro. That's, there you that's go. Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it, man. Actually, it's just emojis. Um, no. Um, what do you think the relationship is between empathy and love? Well, I don't think you can, uh, I, you probably, you know, I don't think you can be really, you, you probably can't love somebody if you're not going to be empathetic. Like if you don't have that capacity to be empathetic, you know, um, I guess that I guess the reason I'm saying that is because you know you're not going to understand their uh, their everyday struggles their everyday because the thing is it's like you know when you have a relationship with somebody it's not like the movies where it's like everything's great and everything's perfect all the time and you guys are like you know you you never have any kind of conflict or something like that um, and it's normal to have conflict in relationship it's normal to to you know are you just argue and, and whatnot. But the thing is, is you can't get through any of that if you don't have any empathy for that, for that person, you know, or if you don't have em- the capacity for empathy at all. Um, because it helps you understand, it helps you understand that person's side. And once, you know, let's say you have a disagreement or, or an argument, you know, it helps you be like, okay, Hey, like I care about this person. This person cares about me. Like where, where is this, you know, where is this coming from? You know, what, did they have a bad day? Did something, did something occur? You know, um, and it, it just, it helps you understand them better. And overall, like that's, that's a huge part of loving somebody is understanding them and, uh, you know, being able to, being able to, you know, care for them. And that's like a core empathy is a core facet of that. If that makes sense. Totally. Um, that definitely makes sense. How much do you, how much do you differentiate romantic love between other types of love? And, you know, maybe you're having an argument with somebody, like you said, but they don't, they're not really somebody that care about you. There's some random person. Yeah. Like how much, how much uh, do you think about oh, I see what you're love saying. in terms of the, I, you know, I mean, this is just, uh, just the next, um, I guess this is, this is just, um, evolving on your, your first yeah. point I, where, how much is, um, how much do you give thought to, to love outside of the romantic notion? I would say it goes back into like humanizing that, like having that, you know, seeing that other person as a human. If you don't have, if you don't have, I think because empathy is related to caring in general, like you said, whether it's like a romantic side or just like, you know, caring for somebody or, 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 or loving your fellow man, you know, like something like that. So like the thing is, is without, without empathy, you can't, you're not going to be able to to care for that, that person. Cause you're not going to have that human aspect. You're not going to be like, Hey, how I act towards this person is, is not just affecting, you know, the outcome of right now, but it's going to affect them. And, uh, you know, the outcome of, of, you know, the rest of their day, the rest of, I mean, depending on what your relationship is with that person, you know what I'm saying? I mean, look at, when you look at like the epidemic of like, like, um, you know, depression and like suicide and stuff like that, I think a lot of that, um, comes from like people lacking 
that empathy for others. You know, people, um, they have a, they have a, um, confrontation with a stranger or something like that. Uh, you know, they're quick to get angry. They say hurtful things, do hurtful things, whatever. And they, they, they lack that empathy and that care to be like, well, I don't care what happens to this person after my, my interaction with them, you know? Um, and I think the world gets caught up in that a lot. And, um, I think you need to, you need to have empathy and you need to be able to, to recognize that, Hey, this person, and I, I know I said it a couple times, but like, Hey, this person is, is another human being. They have, you know, a life they're affected in, and, you know, the same ways that I am. So, um, you need empathy to be able to, you know, to essentially humanize them, to be like, Hey, this is another, another person, you know, not just, uh, you know, an individual or not just a, in, for lack of a better word, but like an NPC that I'm like, you know, just going to dump all my anger on and then go about my day, you know, even if you don't know them. So. Yeah, definitely humanizing. Um, and I think that's so much, um, of what, you know, it's probably something that we lack, um, uh, I guess, uh, so especially with social media and, um, and online society is that, is this lack of humanizing somebody like you said earlier, or like you alluded to earlier, it's, it's just a te- text on a screen and it's not somebody that, um, it doesn't seem real to you because it's not a person you don't see, you're not looking them in the eyes. You don't see them for their family, their upbringing, who they were, how they got brought up, their traumas in their past, um, and how they're trying to work on themselves, which is, is such a core part of any individual, you know, like the, I am somebody who, um, is, uh, you know, <laughs> so far from perfect where, uh, I mean, I, we, all I, we all are exactly. But, but, you know, I can only view it from my own lens. And so like, I see myself as somebody who's so far from perfect and has so much to work on and so much, um, and has, has so much, um, um, I guess the work to be done and, and, and we need to start seeing other people in that way, you know, start seeing other people as just as complex and intricate as your own, as your own life. Um, and it, it becomes difficult when you're not, um, truly like face to face with somebody or, um, having a conversation like genuinely trying to get to know somebody. And, and it's impossible to do that for every single person. Um, obviously it's, it's, you're, you know, you walk down the street and you're, you know, you bump into somebody or somebody cuts you off mm-hmm. on the road or a- anything. Um, it, it, you're not going to have the opportunity to, to gain an understanding of every single person's lives, um, or, or life that you interact with. But, I think kind of having this inherent understanding that regardless of what you might know about somebody's personal life, there is something complex going on. There is something uh, extremely um, nuanced under their, Mm -hmm. their, the hood there. And yeah, that's, that's important to realize uh, operating uh, through life because it brings you the empathy. It brings you that, uh, that care for another human. I think, uh, Something I want to say about the the topic too, and uh, this is going to be kind of like an overarching thing. But um, if you look in, if you look throughout history and stuff like that, like like humankind, like humans in general, have been capable of like very horrible, horrible acts, you know, to each other. And um, a lot of it is committed by people who are just normal. You know, the history books may paint like, oh, this, you know, this or that group was, you know, bad or whatever. But most of these acts are are um, 
committed by like everyday average people, right? Through dehumanizing each other and stuff like that. And I think it's important to note that um, none of us are special and that kind of all that the ability to do the like horrible things are within all of us. And I think the humanity in it all is being able to recognize that being able to control it and be like, and, and, you know, not act on that, choose to be better, choose to have a, a better moral compass, you know? Yeah. I, I think what your la- the last point you made was, was pretty, uh, quite a profound point. And it's something that I think about quite a bit is this idea that, um, when, when we look at like this, long arc of human history when we look at the overarching idea of what we're doing here as a species i think we can we can start to like parse through the previously held ideologies that we had and and start to kind of come to the ideas or ways of thinking in which we might have been wrong um so like what what ways do you think that or what ideologies do you think we've we we hold uh right now uh, that could be viewed as radically wrong from the perspective of future generations? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I, I'm, hmm. it's a good question. I want to say probably, I don't know if it would be a, uh, considered really an idea, like in, in, uh, ideology, but the, almost like taking for granted what what we have if that makes sense like um people tend to act like the world we live in and the comforts we live in have existed forever and that they always will exist and actually there's a really good quote about like hard to- are hard men making um good times good times make soft men and soft men make hard times and um i think that or work. people What's that? Yeah. Or people, women, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's what the quote says. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, who said that? Um, you know what? I have to. I have to look it. I have to look it up. I forgot exactly um, who said it, but I'll get. I'll, I'll look it up in a minute, and I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, totally. But, no, you, you're um, good. You're not time. I'll look. Um, so essentially, what I mean is, um, we and we're seeing it now. You know the generation before us like the boomer generation kind of like lived through the golden age of um of the u.s stuff like that economically and uh kind of didn't basically instead of like living like moderately and like ensuring that the future generations had you know had economic health and stability they kind of just used it all and then didn't care about (laughs) didn't care about us and i think that a lot of people don't realize that like the times we're we're in now like um, you know, the, the normalities and the comforts you get of like a first world, like living in a first world superpower for those of us that do like in the U S or even like living in like, you know, any first world country in the UK and stuff of that, all of these things that we have that we take for granted, um, do not exist around the world in most places. This is actually a very like short span of, of time that we've lived comfortably right now with like, you know, nothing crazy, no like massive devastations, no mat, you know, not haven't had another world war yet or anything like that yet. Um, but, uh, people don't realize how fast it can, um, get taken away. Uh, I kind of realized that when I moved down South to places where, um, you know, there's like massive hurricanes and stuff like that. And, uh, seeing how quickly, like if, 
society breaks down. Um, I'm not talking about like doomsday kind of stuff. Um, what I'm talking about is like, oh, like if there's a hurricane um, and people can't get water for like more than a day or two, like people really do not realize how bad it, it gets. And um, I think that we take for granted a lot of stuff that we have now in the modern world. And we don't, um, I think that future generations, um, if we don't, if we don't start doing stuff like, I mean, even simple stuff is just like taking care of like, you know, looking, looking towards like taking care of the environment and stuff of like that, taking care of the, the earth in general for like the next generations or just, you know, like bettering your own country or your own group, um, you know, group of people that you're with. Um, and just thinking like, Oh, like, if we just keep going as it is, it's just going to continuously exist like that. It, it, that's not the case. You always have to fight for that and you always have to be w- trying to, um, you know, better yourself. And I think that a lot of people now are absorbed in um, kind of the the selfish aspect of like, hey, I'm just going to make sure I'm good and we're like, you know, I'm immediately good and I don't really care what happens, you know, later on down the line. Um, it's like a, a, a culture of... Um, of like instant gratification kind of, you know, I think that, uh, later generations might look down the road and say, Hey, and it is getting better. It is getting better than it, than it used to be. Um, I think people are starting to kind of see like, Hey, like, you know, we need to start looking ahead instead of just like, Hey, what are the problems that face our generation right now? Like we need to look like, Hey, not only what are the problems that face our generation, but what is going to be the problems that face, you know, the next generation and the next generation and whatnot. And I think that might be something that, um, you know, something that future generations look back on and kind of think like, Hey, I wish that, you know, they had had more of a, you know, mindset of, yeah, we need to make sure that like we are, you know, continually, um, bettering ourselves for the next generation and not just, you know, what's going on right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the idea that we forget how privileged we are as a, as a first world Society, if you have the privilege to live in one, um, that's such a big point because most people, as as you know, um, traveling through certain parts of Asia or Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know just throughout the travels that that I have done, and and I'm by no means uh, have seen every you know, every part of the world or, or even seeing, you know, the poorest regions of the earth, Mm -hmm. but knowing and having an understanding that those do exist and that those do, uh, those lives are affected every single day, um, without us ever really, um, knowing it uh, firsthand and, and understanding that, we are in so incredibly uh, lucky and privileged to even have been born um, the place we were. Um, and, you know, through no fault of our own. It's it's not anyone's fault that they were born in, um, you know, the poorest regions of Africa or, or wherever. And we were born in the U.S. or somebody was born in, you know, France and, or somebody was born in the U.K., you know, any first world country. And um, it's, it's easy to forget that those people, those lives are still being affected in North Korea or wherever. Um, and and when, we, when we think about that, I think often about, you know, 
we're, if the world was a race, we're not all born on the same starting line, you know? Yeah, and, and, absolutely. and taking that into account with everything that there is, everything that we have the opportunity to, to experience in life, all the, the pleasures that we get to experience and the, and the comforts of, of living um, in a country as flawed as it is, as the U S like that's still, it's still a place that um, offers so much that the rest, that so much of the world never even gets the opportunity. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, that's, it's, 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 um, it just kind of builds like the whole collective uh, thinking, like, like you said, to kind of bring it back to the question of understanding that there is this so much disparity uh, within the world um, and so much uh, hardship and not taking that into account more yeah. is, uh, is definitely, a, is definitely one worth considering further. People, yeah. People don't realize that, like I said, there, it's a, it's weird because we live in a time where it's, it hasn't, it's never been easier to, you know, look out and see what else is out in the world. But people realize that there's a lot more going on than their suburban area that they live, that they live in. Um, and all the, you know, conference that they have. And, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is interesting too. You see, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but, um, let's say you go to the workplace somewhere and you see somebody, you see somebody, a lot of times you'll see somebody who has immigrated from, uh, from somewhere else, another country or something like that. And a lot of times I see those people have like a drive that, um, you know, some of these people that may come from these areas that are, are nowhere near as well off or as comfortable as the United States. They have this drive in this, um, I, I, I don't know if it's like work ethic drive and just this kind of like, um, that is just not comparable sometimes that you could see to, to people that have lived in comfort their whole life. You know, um, they're just so much harder workers sometimes. And, and it's, and it, I, I like I said, I, I don't know if it comes from what exactly I can't put my finger on what exactly it comes from, but, um, I would assume it would be just the, you know, the experience of having grown up somewhere where they are not, they don't have everything, you know, given to them. They have to physically, like you said, like everyone's born at different starting points. Right. So if you have somebody who's been living on like easy street, their whole deal and they're like, Oh, whatever. Like, yeah, sure. Just coast into this job or whatever. And then you have the, the individual that was, you know, working from the ground up, you know, most of the time that individual who, you know, was disadvantaged at first and had to work to get to that point. Like, they're not only going to have like much more experience, but they just have a better work ethic most of the time. Um, that's something that I've seen like working with people. Boeing is like a pretty, like you get a lot of people from all over the place. So um, uh, I've seen that a lot where you get people from all over the world. And uh, some of these people, like I said, they, that, that have come from a um, not comfortable background as you would, you know, describe looking at it from like, you know, the U S standpoint have like, just had this like tenacity about them, you know? And I think it's, it, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, it's just something I've noticed. Definitely. I mean, uh, there is, there is merit to struggle and there's merit to not having everything yeah, absolutely. handed to you in a way that, um, uh, a, a way that never forces you to, uh, adapt. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, there, there's, there's a huge part of, of, of life that comes uh, from those experiences and that shapes you profoundly when, when you don't have everything. But at the same time, 
there are some serious like I understand that from one perspective, but on the other hand, I I I, I take issue with it too because there's there's there seems to be such extreme uh, disparities uh, oh, with, I, with between absolutely um, uh, you know financial wealth disparities and and uh, like socioeconomic disparities that that aren't that that should not be there you know that just shouldn't be there at all and every every life is distinct every life is different everybody um is going to be uh everybody is going to be experiencing a, a different experience and yep. and and will go through their own struggles but there are some struggles in life that that just shouldn't be there you know and and taking that into account and realizing like how, just how much there is to, to progress mm-hmm. um, and how much um, privilege you might have um, within a certain area of the world is, is it just becomes even more and more important. And, and I mean, I think that goes back into the concept too of like, are you going to be the person who's just going to be like living comfortably and not bettering their community, you know, and looking forward to it? Or, you know, are you going to use what you have to better your community and the people around you kind of thing, you know? Um, because like you said, like there is, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that's, that's, you know, people shouldn't have to go through and that's, and that's, you know, not fair necessarily, um, in the world and in life in general. And, um, you know, if you're somebody who's in a place that can help build your community and build up, uh, you know, the people around you, um, you know, I think that's something that should be, that's worth doing, you know, instead of necessarily just being like, well, I had it good, so I'm going to enjoy the cakewalk and everybody else can, you know, do whatever, you know, do whatever. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that's something to think about. Totally. Um, are you somebody who is often, uh, self-reflective on their, uh, on their own experiences? More recently, yes. Um, Kind of after, I guess after after I started getting becoming a little bit more religious and stuff like that, I kind of started uh, looking back at. Um, it kind of made me look at what I was different things I was doing. Um, it gave me like a uh, something to. I don't know if the right word is judge myself off of, but judge myself off of. I guess because that's the best word I can think of right now. Um, but as of recently, I've started doing that more, and I've actually started writing down just different things I experience, you know, throughout my life and throughout my, throughout my day. If it's something that I think that I'm going to, um, you know, that might help me later. If there's an experience I go through or something like that, I'll write something down and be like, Hey, this is what happened. This is how I dealt with it. This was, this was the outcome of it. And, um, honestly, this is going to be a, a odd comparison maybe, but I, you, when we were talking about working out and like, you can't grow unless or it gets hard for you to grow if you're not tracking like how much weight you're lifting and what you're doing and what you're progressively getting better. You know, um, it kind of is the same concept. If you're not keeping track, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be writing it down, but if you're not keeping track of like how you're growing and the different things that you've experienced and what you're doing, like how do you know you're growing? If that makes sense. If you're not reflecting on yourself, how do you know that you're becoming, you know, either whatever your goal, the type of person you're trying to become, you know, how do you know that you're becoming that person? If that makes sense. That's a really good point. Uh, I, I like the comparison there, um, to getting yoked, uh, no, <laughs> um, to get in the gains, to get in the gains. Um, for anyone who can't see Dom, he's just absolutely massive. Dude, huge. huge. I'm almost like seven feet tall, man. I gotta like walk through the doorway sideways. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point because you you don't you don't really know unless you you do keep track in some way, you know. And I think that looks different for everybody. And I think in a lot of ways, just having positive relationships and 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 relationships that can call you out are, are so important because yeah, absolutely because that's that's a way of keeping track uh, by people who who see you for uh, who know you intimately and who have have gone through life with you in some sort of way um, that can that can see your evolution as a human being in 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 uh, uh, in so much complexity. Uh, much more than, uh, much more than even you can sometimes because yeah, they, I mean, I've, I've had many conversations where I've, I've, I've talked to people that have given me insight into my own self that I never knew was there. And it's only because you know, they knew me and because they, they saw me for, for what I was as a, as a full complex human being. And, and it's something you can't necessarily recognize if you're only consumed by your own consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I, this is a pretty, like, it might be a cliche quote, but like the whole, like iron sharpens iron, you know, one person sharpens another type of deal. But, uh, I, it really holds true to be honest. Like who, like if you're just, you know, if you're going through life, uh, on your own and you don't have anyone else to, you know, uh, see you. Cause obviously you see yourself as, as a certain type of person in the world may see other people around you may see you differently. Right. Cause they have a different perspective and stuff like that. Um, and I think you need both things to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to, um, you know, build yourself and, you know, otherwise you're just in an echo chamber with yourself, you know? So, um, I think it's it, it is very important to not only reflect on yourself, but like you said, put yourself around people who will call you out or who will be like, "Hey, like you know this, you know, we'll tell you the truth and not just necessarily sugarcoat everything and be like, yeah, dude, like you know, you everything you do is one hundred percent right.' Like it's like, okay, I know it's not because <laughs> I've done some stupid thing because I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, it, it's it it really is um, true that you need other people around you to you know help better yourself, and that's what you know finding, finding, um, you know, community and stuff like that and reaching out to people and just, you know, it goes back into just talk, just talking to people, you know, um, you could have some of the best outcomes in life by just like talking to people and like keeping a level, like cool head, you know, because even if somebody is, um, even if somebody is like the exact 180 opposite of you or, or just does not believe what you believe in, like, you know, you, you are, I guess, naive to think that there's nothing that you think you can learn from that, from somebody else, you know? Um, there's always something you can learn and be open to learning, even if it's from somebody who is completely on the other spectrum of you, you know? Um, I think it's important to stay open to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we're so filled with bullshit so much of the time, and... Uh, if we don't have somebody else to call us out on yes. it, it's we're just like you said, just get stuck in the echo chamber of our own mind. And I think that's when it gets really dangerous. Um, I, and something I was thinking about actually was like, like, like newscasters and we see like Fox news, CNN, whatever, yeah. pick your, pick your side. And I was, I felt sympathy for a lot of like the, the people that, that were on the show only because like, no wonder, no wonder you're, 
espousing such extra uh, such extreme views in so many ways is because you're only getting fed certain information. You're only getting fed uh, yeah. one way of thinking, and you're constantly you. They constantly have to be talking about it every day as their job is to be talking about one specific way of thinking. Um, and there's no real, there's no real true respectful dialogue yeah. in any of it. And um, it's so dangerous because you're just, it you're is. just getting stuck in, an, uh, in your own loop of, of, of your own mind or people that think just like you. And, and something for me that I've been so um, hard on myself about is, is, is taking views um, in taking views that I don't necessarily agree with, or I know nothing about and, and to entertain them without critically through with a, with a critical lens and with, with a grain of salt, but to really like reflect on them and to see whether or not, you know, there's any wisdom to be gleaned from um, views that might not be, uh, might not be, I guess, uh, obvious at the moment um, to think. And it's, it's something that I do, you know, I find that there is great value in. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the divide, man. I, I tell, I have this conversation with my family, like family members too, like, cause they get caught up in like the watching the news and being like, Oh my God, like, you know, and I always tell them like, dude, like there's like, do you want to get screwed over a guy by somebody wearing a red tie or a blue tie? Like these people don't necessarily have the, like, you know, your best interests in mind, you know? And even beyond that, like people get so humans in general are like a very like tribal, like tribal uh, species and everyone wants to feel like they belong to something. And the thing is, is like when you look at the news, you look at media, stuff like that, like they know that and they feed off of it because obviously that's where they're making all of their money from. Right. So if they can polarize you one way or another and um, you know, basically get your brand loyalty to them. Of course, they're going to continue to make all this inflammatory content, you know? Um, and, and like I said, the entire spectrum is, is, is of, you know, whatever you want to say, the news, political organizations, whatever are, are guilty of it, you know? And it, it just, again, it further, you can see directly. And it's funny because this keeps coming back to the same concept we were talking about is it furthers the dehumanizing of each other. You know what I'm saying? Like it furthers like, Oh, this is our group. That's the other group. Like they, we don't like them because of X, Y, Z reason, you know? And it stops people because then their anger gets in the way of it. And it stops people um, from being able to stop and just be like, Hey, let me have a conversation with this person. You know, let me like, why do they like, Hey, why do you believe this? What's the reason you believe that? Okay. I understand this. This is why I believe this and that. And like, even if you don't come to like a, you know, an agreement, you don't always have to come to an agreement, but like you can treat that person like civilly, you know, and you can, you can learn from their point of view, you know, like you, you can, um, like you said, like you're a fool if you think you have the answers to it all on either side of anything, you know, definitely. We're so completely ignorant of so much yes. and just admitting our own ignorance of, of the, the immense amount of knowledge that we will never be privy to is, is radically important. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I read this book, it's called the righteous mind by Jonathan Haidt. And it's about uh, why religion and why people are so divided on religion and politics. And yeah, it takes an interesting psychological perspective on, um, on this tribal mindset that we all inherently have. Um, and, you know, it's, it is, it is, 
it's it's um without you know just taking into consideration and it doesn't like you said it doesn't have to be an agreement you don't have to all of a sudden join hands with the other person and, and think exactly the way they think that's not what it's about it's just entertaining a thought and and allowing yourself to really critically think about it in a way that you're open and honest about um how that might shape some of the perspectives that you have and maybe you shouldn't be thinking a certain way or maybe maybe it maybe even reaffirms how you you're, you're thinking but without the conversation without the without the actual um true reflection on it and true intaking of information um genuinely trying to gain a better understanding of the world whatever it might be um without that we're just we're just um we really have no, we really, we're really not doing anything good for ourselves. Yep. Absolutely. Um, uh, I kind of want to shift questions here a little bit. Yeah. Um, are you somebody who's into, do you meditate at all? You know, um, it's something I've kind of considered as of late. I have not done it yet. Um, but as I start to kind of get in, like look into this, like, uh, you know, just self betterment and stuff like that. I've, I've considered it and I kind of just need to actually just go and do it, you know? Um, but I think we've had a conversation about it before. You were saying that you, you had gotten into it, right? Um, yeah. So I, I meditate, uh, definitely something that I find, um, as one of like the foundations of, um, my own mental health is including meditation in that. And I, the reason why I asked is because I know, um, for myself personally, what it, what it, what it offers, but, um, and you know, I, and by no means want to be like preachy in any way. Um, no, you're not. so I just, you know, I'm just trying to gain an understanding of, of, of people's mindset behind, um, living and examine life and reflection on our own consciousness. Mm-hmm. And for me, consciousness is one of the things that I am most interested in, in the, uh, what, the foundations of consciousness are what consciousness is and meditation is an insight at least in part um into what consciousness is so that's why i asked the question yeah no absolutely i i think it's something that i could benefit from uh a lot and that i'm going to look into actually doing like i said i um <clears throat> i've looked into it and i i do recognize there's definitely benefits to it and i i want to do it i just ha- i have not uh um, done it yet. Uh, especially just as like a de-stressor, you know, just be able to like sit down for, you know, some portion of the day and like kind of, uh, just reset, you know, re- reset and reflect on, you know, what's been, you know, w- what occurred and whatnot and just, um, just de-stress, you know? So I think it definitely has some merit. Totally. I mean, do you, do you ever think about where thoughts come from? Uh, I actually, that is a, I never thought about that. I mean, I guess I could say like, oh, well, I don't even know if I can <laughs> tell you that because I, I don't know. I guess that, that, I guess that would tie into the same question of like, where does your consciousness come from? You exactly. Know? Yeah. And <laughs> where does it come from? <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it, to, that's again, it kind of goes back to like the overall. Dude, you're breaking the matrix. I'm breaking the matrix right now on this podcast. <laughs> um, it kind of goes back to my, like at the, what we what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast was my inherent kind of or I guess my profound change in in the way I, that I think and seeing existence for what it is as um, something that is so ineffable and unknowable and so 
uh, insane, really. Um, and the only way we can actually experience anything in existence is through our own consciousness. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything outside our own consciousness. So diving into what consciousness is, is now something that I, I think about, uh, all the time. And it, it, it's something that I think, um, uh, I, I find so much interest in where it, 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 it's become such a staple in my life just thinking about. And so that's why I like talking to other people about it who may or may not have um, given thought to this like I have. Because, I mean, you can even, you can even boil it down to the fact of like, like what constitutes consciousness, you know, because they're like, in the, when you look at like the animal kingdom and stuff like that, you know, you have certain animals like, uh, you know, uh, like orcas or like killer whales and stuff like that that are like very, very intelligent creatures. And, you know, they've even like scientists have even talked about like, hey, like, you know, they can experience a lot of the same emotions and different things that, uh, you know, that they think that humans can and stuff like that. So that even goes even further as to like, is consciousness like a uniquely human thing? Like, is it a uniquely like biological thing to like every living thing, you know, to some, to some degree, like when does it become consciousness or just like, you know, biological function? And it's a very interesting, uh, interesting thought, you know? Yeah, totally. And like, what is consciousness something that, is is separate from the mind and that really the mind is something that like tunes into consciousness or is it completely absent until something or i guess uh like information is built up to a certain level or a certain degree in which produces consciousness um here's here's sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no you're no this this ties in kind of to what we were talking about um earlier with like when we were talking about like human nature um, and like, you know, having done horrible things or whatever, when you look at certain animals, right. Um, like that are what you would not consider like on the intelligence scale, right? Like you look at like, I don't know, you know, a snake or like, uh, any kind of, just any kind of animal that, that like kills to eat or do whatever, right? Like there's no morality based on that. They just are doing something like, you know, when a lion kills a gazelle, it's not because it didn't like the gazelle. It's because it's, e- it's just a purpose to it, right? It's eating something um, to sustain itself. When you start to look at animals, like, uh, like I was using killer whales as an example, um, where they've been documented to like kill things like almost like sadistically or like for other purposes, not than like, you know, sustaining life or food or something like that. And it's almost like, it's almost like when you start looking at stuff like this, like ability to be cruel or like aggressive comes is like almost like a side effect of intelligence, you know, like unnecessarily cruel and aggressive, I guess, like, you know, for other reasons than just, you know, eating or whatever, reproducing, whatever they're doing. Um, uh, it, uh, it, and that kind of ties me back into what I was saying of like the humanity in it all is like, obviously humans are seen as the most intelligent species ever to exist on the earth. So, the humanity and all is being like, Hey, we have this intelligence. You have this side effect that causes like this aggression, this, these different things and that stuff like that. But I think what separates like maybe like the human consciousness and the human ability is kind of like what I was saying before is like the ability to be able to like, Hey, I recognize that this is like something that like we are all, you know, capable of and we are choosing to be, you know, be better that makes sense you know not not act on that not um you know not harm each other for no reason and 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 stuff like that um 
I think it all kind of ties together. You know, that's really interesting when you think about consciousness and stuff like that. Cause like, like I said, like what, what separates our consciousness from the next smartest being or animal, you know? Yeah. And you know, this is something that is heavily debated and, and discussed within the uh, field of artificial intelligence and, and how artificial intelligence is such a revolutionary uh, way of information processing and how complex it is compared to our own ability to compute uh, certain uh, mathematical or uh, information that that exists uh, in the world and, and within data and computers and is is consciousness something that is just a um, uh, an aggregate of information or information processing? And I, I don't know. Um, and people far smarter than I am are working on these sort of questions. Um, I just think it's an interesting conversation to have and to get people thinking about because um, something that I, I find um, important and and something that ties together with uh, artificial intelligence is the idea of like how we treat conscious creatures, mm-hmm. um, whether or not we can see them as consciousness or conscious or not. Um, and, you know, do we start to treat uh, you know, robots that can do and say and act just as a human being? Um, do we start to treat them as people, uh, as people with consciousness or as something else, are they already far way, way that's, far advanced ahead of uh, the human mind? Like we don't, we don't really know. And that's the crazy part. That's it, a good, very good point, man. And it's, and it, to me, it's like, it's been described as, um, philosophy with a deadline. It's, it's, yeah. it's like this, this technology is coming. It yes. is, it's here and it, you know it's only going to advance as long as we don't blow ourselves up as a species um and we're going to continue to uh build upon the previous generations of artificial intelligence and and computing mm-hmm. power like where does that lead us and and what point at what point do we start to really start to a- analyze how we view uh people versus um uh artificial intelligence or even like creatures in general which is something that uh I hold uh, close to home is like the the the, the treating of conscious creatures yeah. well um, for you know as per, as it pertains to like consumption of animals and stuff like that. Well, I think this is this one's going to be kind of might seem pretty wild to people, but uh, if they look into it, they'll realize how how much closer we are to this than they really think. And it sounds almost like science fiction, but I think the next step in like human evolution is going to be like the. Um, you know, the addition, like the addition of technology, like into the human body, if that makes sense. Um, like you see it with different things, like you see it with different things. Like look how, I mean, look how, um, look how far like things like prosthetics have come for people and like, you know, um, just, you know, a short amount of time or like, I think even like Elon Musk was working on some like Neuralink thing. Neuralink. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think eventually like, once humanity figures out how to um, incorporate different things into the human body, I would not be surprised if that like is the next, you know, like part of the next evolutionary step of like, Hey, like you literally have, you know, um, 
you know, some kind of technological implants or something like that to do, do things. I mean, think about how, if they, you know, they're already being able to start to like, you know, get like synthetic organs and stuff like that, you know? So now you're extending the lifespan of, of, of people that, you know, may have one, you know, before if somebody had gotten a disease or a disorder in a, you know, a, a, in their heart or some other, like, you know, very primary organ, um, you know, now they're able to just, you know, maybe not now, but down the line, they're able to just say, Hey, here's a synthetic heart or here's a a synthetic lung or something like that, you know? And I think it could grow from there. And, um, I think it's something that like, you know, we do have to, you know, be weary of just like any kind of like, um, technological advance, because obviously when there's a good side of things, there's also like people who use stuff, you know, negatively and for the bad side of things too. But that's just kind of, you know, life in general and something that you have to deal with. But I think that it may sound crazy, but you know, I mean, for anyone that's listening that has watched like, like cyberpunk or something like that, like obviously maybe not to that crazy, like level of, of stuff, but, um, I would not be surprised if like, you know, a hundred years in the future, like I said, if we're still around that, like it wouldn't, it would be uncommon or it wouldn't be uncommon to be able to be like, Hey, like, um, I am going to get, you know, something, you know, like a Neuralink type thing that gives you like, you know, the ability to literally look up, like, you know, access the internet, but just through your, you know, through your mind or thought process, something crazy like that, you know, I don't know. It sounds crazy, but it's really not when you look at the technological leaps we've made in the last, like, I'm not even gonna say hundred years, but like, you know, 50 years or so. Definitely. And and when you think about it, even those are small timescales on the, the, the true, um, history of the universe, like when we see, and in the future of the universe, when we when we talk about, you know, a billion years from now, two billion, ten billion, how far forward um, time will progress, and how small of a time we actually have here, and how humans have only known such a, a, a not even a fraction yeah. of of what there is to be experienced in time. Absolutely. Something that I've kind of always considered too, is at some point, I don't know what year you could pinpoint it to or what, but like, um, and there's like, if anyone's ever heard of like Pandora's box, like Pandora's box was opened at one point, And once that box is open, you cannot go back. And that's kind of like where we are like as a species right now is like that box is open and humanity has a crossroad in front of them, you know? And, uh, one leads to like the betterment of, the world and society as a whole. And the other is like destruction of the world and society as a whole. Like you were saying, like, are we going to blow each- ourselves up, you know, in however many years from now, which is, you know, something that's kind of dark to think about, but unfortunately the way human nature is as, um, you know, what, uh, unfortunately is it, it could possibly be a consequence, you know, of, of stuff like that. Um, and I think that's where it comes into like us all trying to better, ourselves for our future generations um you know so it doesn't so it doesn't lead to that um yeah it's just uh, it's it's very interesting to think about uh kind of what we were talking about earlier too with um you know if there's other life out there and stuff like that uh if you think about it like when people think about aliens and stuff like that, especially you like look at like Hollywood and all the movies and stuff like that, people always think like, oh, if aliens were to come here, like they're gonna like take over the earth and destroy the earth and do all those things. Well, if you think about that, you know why people think about that? It's because that's what human that's what people have done for ever since they've existed. They've gone to a new area, wiped out the, you know, whoever was indigenous there and conquered it and whatever, you know. And that's what that's a very like unique human mindset of thinking, you know? And I don't know if necessarily like that would be the case, you know, for a, uh, for, for another, 
you know, if there was other life out there or something like that, if, or, or maybe it is and the ones that have gotten to that point are like, they've only gotten to that point by like solving some kinds of issues that we have not solved yet. And they're like, Hey, yeah, there's no more like, uh, you know, con like, you know, conflict, like how humans have between each other, you know, they're like some kind of unified species or something like that. I don't know. That's really crazy stuff to think about. Like, I guess, depending on who you are or who you ask, but, um, it's just a thought, you know, it's just a thought to think about. Definitely. I, I mean, those are, those are thoughts that I, 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 that are immensely interesting because they, if they, they seem, I think they, they seem like, Oh, that's so far, um, out of, from like the realm of possibility or like our time, but maybe they aren't, maybe, maybe it isn't. And, and it's somewhere, it's somewhere in between. I feel like, you know, it's like maybe, um, you know, like, like you, like you told, like, like you talked about, like you have this bifurcation of roads where one side leads to the destruction of all humanity and the other mm -hmm. side doesn't. Um, but then there's also so much middle ground in between and, and like, just the idea of yeah, what might uh, occur through the choices that we do take yep. um, and you know, how many universes might there be? Um, Dude, that stuff's it's, even, it's, I mean, just think about, just think about if you were so like, if you took like a human lifespan, like you just said, like, obviously we like people live to a hundred years old. Like if you took, like if you took somebody who lived, who was a hundred years old, you know, they were born in 1923 or something like that. Or even if you go a little bit, be, a little bit before that, right. If you had told somebody back then, Oh yeah, within your lifetime, or at least you and your child's lifetime, like you know, um, you're going. There's going to be somebody on the moon. I mean, dude, think about like, uh, the, I don't know the exact year, but it was the very early 1900s when the Wright brothers first flew, right? And like a literally like paper airplane, essentially with like wood, a wooden paper airplane, right? Fabric airplane, um, you know, a couple hundred feet or something like that. Within 60 years of that time, somebody was on the moon. I mean, that is insane to think about i mean if you're talking about those like kind of technological jumps like that was a time frame of 60 years that was somebody's like that was an average lifespan time of somebody you know and just thinking about how fast technology pro progresses you know what i'm saying like i mean it's nuts it's nuts it's, it's very very um easy to look at like what the next 100 200 years um might be and like who know like the possibility is endless because like I said, you can say, Oh, that's crazy to think like you're going to have like some kind of like, you know, you know, cybernetic stuff or whatever and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it sounds crazy, but I'm sure if you told somebody in, you know, 1903 or 1904, whatever it was, Hey, you're going to have somebody on the moon in 60 years. They'd be like, yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. I mean, when I think about topics like this and, um, how, much there are these technological leaps. Yeah. I think about, I guess, something that is more salient uh, today in 2023 is like the James Webb Space Telescope and how big of an advancement that is for uh, the exploration of, of space. And, you know, I, I, in a lot of ways, I, I, I think, you know, maybe it's not with this, but we have no idea, but we, we have no idea really when we, we can, we might be have the possibility of discovering artificial or sorry, um, uh, like, um, alien life somewhere else in the universe. And I think really like, this is the first time in humanity that we have any sort of possibility of discovering something incredibly interesting that lies beyond, uh, the cosmos. And, and that to me is uh, immensely interesting. Yeah. People don't realize, dude, they're literally like, we are literally like, this is the ground floor. Like we're literally knocking at the door for like, 
you know, the next step for humanity to expand out into the star. I mean, you know, literally the next frontier is outer space. And, um, I, you know, I think the fact that within, I'm not even going to say within our lifetime, because it's going to be even, it's going to be relatively soon that we're probably going to be sending people to Mars for the first time. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You know, I mean, that's something that you would tell even the people, like I said, 60 years ago, you know, however many years ago when they were doing the Apollo missions, you know, um, and you're saying, Hey, we're going to go, you know, within the, again, within the next 60 years or so, we're going to go to, you know, start looking to go to Mars, you know, and actually talking about building a base on the moon to get, uh, to, um, you know, be able to launch missions to go to Mars and stuff like that. Like, People would be like, no way, you know, we're barely figuring out how to go to the moon, you know? I mean, when you look at um, the the computing power of a processor in, like, those Apollo missions, the, an iPhone is, like, several times more powerful than, like, the, the computers they were using to get to the moon um, then. So, I mean, it, it is pretty crazy to think, like, wow, we're really, like, we're knocking at the door of the next step, you know? So Yeah. So, with that being said, do you believe in aliens? I actually do, man. I do. Which is odd because some people have a hard time, like, because being a religious person, some people have, like, you know, they think it's a conflicting thing. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to, everyone has their own things. I'm sure there's people out there telling me, like, oh, that means, like, you're not actually, you know, this or that. And it's like, well, I don't really care that that person's saying that, but, because it's their own thing. But, um, no, yeah, I 100% do, um, believe. I don't, I don't know why, like I said, me personally, I just think like, Hey, I don't know why you can't incorporate that into the whole overall plan if you're religious or not, but that's everyone's, that's everyone's own journey that I'm not going to get into. But, um, me personally, yes, I do. I, I, like I said earlier, I think in the beginning of when we were talking, like, I think it's crazier to believe that there's not than there is, you know, I completely agree with that. It's, you look up and just see how immensely vast and expanding the universe is yes and think about where we are and think about how small we are and how short of an evolutionary time frame we've had to develop mm-hmm. as humans it's it it becomes probabilistically just not not justifiable to believe that alien or extraterrestrial life isn't out there somewhere yeah probably exactly again we don't have any one hundred percent certainty no. of that. Yeah, but yeah, but. if you had exactly, and honestly, uh, people will be like, "Oh, well, if it exists, and then why haven't like you know anyone reached out to us?" And honestly, I think this too, because like humans in general, they're like they think we're the center of everything. You know, I mean, which is like I, I understand because you know we haven't made contact with anything yet. But when you think about it, right? Like, okay, what if if these if these other um, you know uh, these other if there is aliens, whatnot, like. If they're out there, what what makes us so special that you think that they'd be doing everything they can to contact us, right? Like, how do you know they're not so far advanced from us that they look at us and they're just like, you know, why would we go there? What you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't go through a forest and like look for like an ant hill to be like, oh, I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I think that's a unique, like, kind of like a, a perspective. It's like, well, what makes uh, if there's other, if there's one other, there's probably a lot of others, you know, a lot, a lot of other. Um, you know, uh, societies out there. And that's the thing. It's like, if that's the case, like what, like what, what necessarily could we offer them, you know, other than probably being hostile towards them or, you know, or, you know, what, what not. So they might just look at us and be like, yeah, we just don't want to deal with that. You know, maybe there's this whole thing of like, Hey, they're like, yeah, they haven't gotten past like a certain, 
you know, point technologically or like culturally yet where they're like, yeah, we're just not going to, we're not going to deal with that because it wouldn't be good for us or probably them, you know? Um, I think there's people, like I said, they tend to be like, why, why, you know, if it, if they're real, why haven't they come to us? And it's like, dude, maybe we're not that important, (laughs) you know? You know, totally. You take a humanistic view uh, or anthropocentric view of like what the universe is, and it, we're so small and so minuscule, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And no, I think I think a lot of people think when you say that it's it devalues human existence or human meaning uh, or you know creature meaning on this earth. And I don't think that. No, I um, think I think that they should look at it as in like a is in almost the opposite. Like, hey it doesn't mean that like you don't matter because your existence is X amount small or whatever. It's like, no, your existence matters because you're part of all of this much bigger picture than you are. And as much as you might not notice it, you do in influence it. You know, you do influence it. Uh, the average person like, you know, walking through down, down the street or whatever might be like, Oh, well how, how am I influencing it? You know, you, you interact, think about how many people you interact with a day, how many people's moods you probably interact with a day and like what you do to them and how you interact with them. It's, it's probably a tenfold thing, right? You know, let's say you, you're an ass to somebody and you piss them off or whatever, and that they go home and they don't deal with it well. And they take it out on, on their family members. Now I'm not saying it's your responsibility. It's not, but what I'm saying is, is when you do look at it, like you are affecting those other people and like you're affecting a lot more people than you think you are. You know what I'm saying? Um, that kind of, some people might not realize that or they think it sounds silly, but like when you look at it, like I said, as from a community aspect, you know, if you're treating the people in your community and the people around you that you interact with, you know, poorly, or if you're do it, treating them well, it's going to affect their day and it's going to affect how they're treating the people around them. Um, and it kind of puts that in like a bigger a bigger perspective, you know, um, that might sound like super, super small compared to what we were just talking about. But like I said, the average person, they might think like, Oh, like it devalues, you know, Oh, I'm, you know, we're just this little dot out here. What's going on. You know what I'm saying? But they don't realize like that, the value that, you know, a, a human life holds and what they can, what, what you can do with it, you know? Totally. I mean, it's the only thing we can know. I mean, regardless of where we are in our, the universe, how big or small we are there, we, we, there's still well-being to be had and there's still uh there is still um uh harm to be done and so on either scale mm-hmm. our actions do affect the well-being of us yeah, creatures it's like a domino effect. collectively yeah 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 and um i i think is that how you kind of reconcile religion with your your uh, a belief in extraterrestrial life yeah, I, I so as far as for me, as far as I what I do is um, again. There's I'm sure there's people that listen. They're like, oh well, you can't believe that, but I don't care. Again, I don't care if that's what they're saying because it doesn't matter to me. But um, I look at it as in like, hey, like just because there's an existence of aliens and stuff like that, or if there is an existence of other people, that doesn't mean. And for me personally, it doesn't mean that my my religion is defunct. You know what I'm saying? Um, people can only. Uh, people can only do and only, um, how do I say this? Like, essentially what I'm saying is, is I don't have a problem like factoring that into the bigger picture of like, for myself, like a creator of all, you know, why, okay. If there's aliens, why does that mean they're not in, you know, God's picture or whatever or something like that, or God's plan or something like that, you know, people, you know, people tend to forget that like a lot of the things that have been passed down for us to us through a long, long time have been 
have been touched by other human hands and have been, um, you know, touched and meddled with. And I don't necessarily think that when somebody says, oh, well, you know, I, I, like I said, like if somebody references the Bible and they're like, oh, the Bible doesn't say anything about aliens or something like that. It's like, well, okay, like why did, so does that mean that like you can't believe in it if it doesn't exist? You know what I'm saying? Or if it's not in the Bible, it doesn't make any sense. You know, um, I don't, for me personally, I don't see why I can't, um, uh, be like, Hey, this is, um, a, a greater or part of a bigger picture. You know, um, I personally attach religion to it by just saying, like I said, if, if I exist, what, what is saying that there's, you know, God hasn't created other things that exist, you know, personally for me, at least, like I said, there's people that'll probably get super upset about that. But again, like I said, it's everyone's own, you know, interpretation to some degree. So totally. And I mean, it kind of gets into like the philosophical ideas of like what things are. Um, but definitely it's, it's an immensely interesting, uh, so, uh, topic to contemplate because there is a lot to to uh to discuss on that um but i want to wrap this up yeah absolutely. um one last question mm-hmm. what are you most excited about listening to right now music wise Ooh, um just right now right right now like what am i most excited about listening just, to? what, what are you right? like hyped about you know within the past you know little while you're like this is a song artist um, I got to get some good music recommendations for the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, uh, refused actually. So refused is like an old, like, like punk rock band. And, um, like if you like kind of like, uh, like rage against the machine or those type of music. So I actually got it cause I was, I got super into like the whole cyberpunk game and like, like, uh, playing it and stuff like that. And they, they did a cover, um, there are a cover for a band in there called Samurai and I didn't realize that until I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is actually, because the game, the band made music for the game and I was listening to the songs from the game and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, uh, and if you haven't played the game, go play it because Johnny Silverhand, extremely based. But, um, <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, yeah, I started listening to their music and a lot of like, like uh, that kind of stuff, like uh, 90s punk, punk rock. I've always like Rage Against the Machine and stuff like that, um, but Refused to Refused. And uh, another band called Turnstile. It's all that kind of like... Uh, Turnstile. Yeah, yeah dude. Turnstile. John, our be- our, one of our good friends, John, he saw Turnstile in Germany. Oh, that's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Turnstile's big. Turnstile's getting really big. Like they, they, yeah. they were like, they're they just all- like blew up too. Yeah. I, they've, they've gotten really big though and they're really yeah. good. They, um... Uh, yeah, they're pretty. They're 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 pretty good. Um, there's I think because a lot a lot of those bands even um refuse their, uh, I can't remember what country they're from, but they're from Europe too. They're out of Europe too. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's pretty sweet. That's what I've been listening to. That's so. cool. Yeah, Turnstile's great. They got like this like they got like this indie like punk modern yeah. hardcore uh, style going on. They're really cool. I do like Turnstile. Uh, I'll have to listen to Refuse right. Yeah. Okay. Refuse. Cool. The, so. the it'll be linked in the description. Uh, there you go. Just turns down and refuse. <laughs> um, so cool. Thanks, Dom, for yeah, being no on. Problem, I appreciate dude. the Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Of course. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs>